Hello, everyone, and welcome to this final edition of the Connected Families podcast series called The Magnet Says It All. I'm Stacey Bellward, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. This is the last episode of Five, where co-founders Jim and Lynn Jackson explain the core of the Connected Families teaching, our framework, as it is captured on a refrigerator magnet. Today's principle from the framework is correct, and you'll learn how to guide kids to take responsibility for their actions and make right what they've made wrong. This is a packed conversation, and I'm sure you will learn a lot. Welcome, everybody, to this last session. It's the one people usually would like to be first. (laughs) I want to figure out how to correct my kids' misbehavior. And the reason that we don't do it first is because it's important to cover this ground that's on this magnet and steep parents' hearts and Mm -hmm. minds in these ideas of building a strong foundation of connecting, of coaching proactively before we get to the correcting part. So we don't rely so heavily on correction to be our big teacher in life. Right. But even in the midst of misbehavior, we can still sort of zip through those four principles. They show up again. And our foundation becomes, how can we be safe with our kids and calm ourselves down and not go in like a raging bull? And before we address the misbehavior, (laughs) how can we just let them know we love them? Not so that we manipulate the behavior that we want from them, Mm -hmm. but so that we just take that opportunity to express unconditional love and it calms our hearts and it calms our kids' hearts when we have a goal to truly have our love land on them when they've messed up. And what has helped parents the most as they navigate this turf and how do I put stuff in place that really helps my kids learn to take responsibility for what they've done wrong to make it right is to ask a question about what you do already and what kids are really learning. And and that's that's the key question that we're going to start with here is... What does your corrective discipline really teach your kids? And what we've learned in the context of our workshops as we've worked with parents and in, in Lynn in, in your coaching and, you know, the little bit of coaching that I've done as well, we've learned that if we think below the surface of the good intentions parents have for their corrective discipline, that we discover parents are teaching their kids some messages and some lessons that they don't want to be teaching their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just had a coaching session yesterday with a couple that they realized that their son was internally out of control (laughs) because he was super bright, Mm -hmm. super sensitive. And so he was controlling everybody with big explosions and loud demands and just all the things kind of as a way to sort of stay internally balanced. If I feel out of control, I'm going to be controlling. I think we can all relate to that. Yeah, that's common for all of us. (laughs) For us as parents. And so then the parents felt like my job is to control our son because he's out of control. And they just realized, wow, I'm sending messages that you have no hope of growing in self-control, you need me to control yeah. you. And that was like the aha moment from the whole session. It's like, how can we begin to shift that so that little by little, the son is empowered to learn to control himself yeah. and to make wiser choices when things get difficult. Yeah. And and it's it sounds like even that story plays into a number of the different other lessons that we've seen parents have uncovered mm-hmm. as they assess this. And we really need to be honest with ourselves as we look at that. Because right. I'm guessing these parents you were coaching at the outset, it's like, we do what we do because we want what's best for our kids. Absolutely. And it's, it's well intended. Mm-hmm. But the messages that you revealed that little guy was getting were not the messages they wanted. And one of them might be, you need to submit to angry power. Mm-hmm. Right. Or another one that I hear in the story that you tell is that the, the most dominating person wins mm-hmm. or the most controlling or right. there's a winner and a loser mm-hmm. in the interactions. And they realize too that the younger brother who kind of has a sub- more submissive role in this, so to speak, 
was learning to be sneakier. <laughs> the sneaky one gets off the hook. That's so, what he was so learning. So I watch what my brother does to <laughs> yep. get in trouble, and I've even heard kids say this. My older brother is so stupid. Mm -hmm. He does it right in front of my parents. Yeah. But even the older brother, like if I keep getting hammered for what I'm doing because I get caught, I'm going to get smarter about not getting caught, which is really another lesson that kids learn about. I got to get smarter to hide mm -hmm. my sin. Yep. And so we depend on parents to intervene and engage and correct everything. That just means I might have to misbehave when they're not around, mm -hmm. or I might have to do things when nobody's looking. Yeah. The mom even said said, one of our sons is learning to be more aggressive and the other one is learning to be sneakier. Yeah. And that was kind of what was happening as they kept trying this top down. We got to, yeah. it's our job to suppress this misbehavior. Another things we hear parents talk about as we really dive into this is what kinds of identity messages they believe their kids are getting from them as they discipline them. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of parents that have aha moments of, oh my gosh, my son is getting, or my daughter is getting such a message of, I am the troublemaker in the family. I'm the problem child. I'm the bad kid, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then they live that out. It's like my identity yep. is a source of my future behavior. Yeah. But then on the flip side of that, there are kids who learn to behave in order to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like if my behavior is good, then I'm good. Right. And it's a way of sort of escaping this notion that, wait a minute, God alone is good. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. Mm -hmm. And our value and worth is not based on how well we behave. It's based on the work of Jesus at the cross and our willingness to repent of our sin and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. The shinier child often is, is not in a better position, actually, or a better condition. They're just easier to deal with. So parents tend to cultivate that. But the child that thinks when I'm shiny, I'm loved and I'm good and all the things. And when I'm not, I'm not. Mm -hmm. They're set up to be little Pharisees, little legalists, and to just at best have a hollow relationship yeah. with God and an insecure relationship with others. Right. And what we find is that these sorts of outcomes happen when parents focus on correcting behavior. Mm -hmm. They go after behavior. You behave badly, you need to behave rightly without assessing what's going on underneath this, without assessing a, really a di whole different value system for correction. Instead of correcting my kids to get them to behave rightly, we invite parents to think about correcting their children so that they begin to believe rightly mm -hmm. about who they are, about the problem of sin in all of our lives, and about what God's grace and truth can bring into our lives if we submit to him. Right, which is why on the magnet, our verse for correction is Galatians 6.1. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Mm. And it reflects back to all the fruits of the Spirit that are just a few verses earlier that talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, <laughs> and bringing those into the discipline of someone yeah. that sinned or struggled. And boy, what a better place to do that yep. than in the discipline of our children. So this is really nothing at all about letting kids off the hook, which nope. sometimes parents will say, well, boy, this this feels you know pretty namby-pamby or kind of light or soft. Off. But the truth is, no, we're going to hold kids accountable for what they've done, but not by just punishing them, mm -hmm. but by inviting them into a restorative process of confession, of forgiveness, and of reconciliation. Right. And sometimes it's not super in-depth, but it's just a heart to practice a, yeah. a wiser, more kind response. And I was just reading through some old notes from some coaching sessions and found this story of these parents who had a very intense, difficult child 
child, and this child was lots of explosive behavior and aggression, and they just were at wit's end. They were trying to, to deal with this and stop it, and it just kept getting worse. Mm. What and were they, some of the things they did to try to stop it? You know, the yelling and punishments and timeouts and all the things. Okay. So the this things kind that of standard most things. parents are pretty yep. familiar with. Yeah. Right, right. But they began to get a view for teaching and training their kids to make a better choice yeah. as part of the corrective discipline. Yeah, so let's think about that through the lens of the framework for a little bit, because I think what you just said is really important. Basically, they changed their mind about mm -hmm. something. What was it? They changed their mind about their role in the process and what their goal was. So their goal wasn't to just punish or stop the misbehavior that way. Their goal was truly Ephesians 6, 4, to train kids up in the instruction of the Lord, to train kids in a better mm. way as part of the correction. And discipline, the root of it is to disciple, and that is about teaching, learner, mentor. Yeah, so I don't know if these parents did this journey, but the first part of Ephesians 6, 4 says, and it's one of the few commands in the whole Bible that's directly to parents right. only, says, parents, don't exasperate, exasperate your, your kids. <laughs> and so I'm guessing they took a little ownership of the fact that maybe what they'd been doing had been disobedient in its own right, right. and needed some confession and some repentance and some journey. So in their foundation, they're doing this work to understand maybe their own sin that they brought to this, right. and then the development of a deeper vision than just correcting behavior. They were looking at their typical pattern for engaging in sibling conflict, and they realized they had a cycle of, and we'll call him John, and their son, Wilson, and they realized they had this broken cycle of John would hit Wilson, they would rush in, tend to Wilson, and throw John in a timeout. And that just fed resentment, and it went over mm -hmm. and over. And they somehow thought this timeout was going to really change what John was doing. But it was only building the resentment of, I'm always getting in trouble, and Wilson is let off mm -hmm. the hook. So through the lens of the framework, what they were doing was jumping right past foundation, connection, coaching, and right to correct. Right. And it wasn't getting them where they wanted to go. They recognized it. They did some work in their foundation to establish a new vision, a new strategy, a new sense of purpose for what they were doing. What happened next? Well, they just really began to shift towards responding to the sibling conflict in a way that both kids felt cared about, which is kind of the connect principle. Mm -hmm. And then the coach is helping them to think in terms of a better response that they might feel better about okay. themselves, the boys. And so what they ended up doing was, and they wrote this down, it's like, we videoed the boys role-playing leading up to their conflict. And their conflict had been like they were upset. They were throwing toys at each other. They were screaming. So they reenacted the whole thing <laughs> wow. and videotaped. So this is like, okay, boys, do what you did until it got really bad and right, we'll videotape exactly. it. Yep. And so they videotaped them playing and then they videotaped them starting to argue. And then they said, okay, cut, stop. All right. Now, what could we do differently? How might this go differently from this point? And everybody problem solved and they figured it out. And then said, okay, you ready to try that? All right, here we go. Roll them. And they videotaped that better action. Oh my gosh, action. this is crazy. So they had the whole videotape. Can we get that it, videotape? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they had the whole videotape of how it often goes, but then how you could work back out of it. Yeah. And even in that one thing, you just see real quickly without, I'm going to do each of the four messages, those boys, particularly yeah. John, that was the most struggling of the two, mm -hmm. 
felt loved and safe and he felt understood and he felt like he was capable of learning a different way. And the consequence was just like, let's practice a different way. Yeah. And they reported later that they just were breaking that cycle of we punish John and we dote on Wilson and we are now teaching and training both boys in essential life skills. And guess what? John was starting to not hit as much and be less aggressive because he felt so believed in and encouraged by his parents. So, and we hear this kind of story all the time. Sometimes there are results much more quickly. Sometimes it takes a while. Mm -hmm. And sometimes parents don't see the results they want, but they're more satisfied with the parents they're becoming. Right. And that's really at the heart of what we're talking about here, isn't it? It's like, I want to be a parent who grows a strong foundation, who connects better, more thoughtfully, guided by God's spirit. Mm -hmm. So after the break, Lynn, you've told this story about a parent who really was struggling to assert herself confidently as a parent that I think will relate to a lot of people kind of on a different end of the spectrum than where we talk often. And so, you know, what does it mean to think through this lens in a way that builds your confidence to combine firmness and kindness in your parenting a little bit more intentionally? So that's what we're going to talk about after the break. Hey, everybody. Are you wondering what the Connected Families Framework refrigerator magnet that Jim and Lynn are talking about actually looks like? Are you interested in using it to help you parent with peace and purpose? We'd love to get one in your hands. The magnet is only $5 and shipping is included. You'll find all the information in our show notes or go to our website, connectedfamilies.org. Many parents have found that the magnet has been a great quick reference that guides them through heated parenting moments. For me, it's been a valuable tool that I've used many times and has completely changed the way that I've shown up in hard parenting moments. It's really changed so much in my family. I just can't recommend it enough. Be sure to check out our show notes or go to connectedfamilies.org and get your framework magnet today. We've been talking about this framework for the last five segments. We know that there's one more sort of parent that we really haven't addressed (laughs) yet in this series, and that's the parent who really considers themselves a a graceful parent, but maybe struggles to step in with confidence when it's time to do some more accountability work. Mm -hmm. And I know that you work with parents like that from time to time, and you've got a really compelling story that you shared with me that I think would be helpful on a number of levels for our audience. Yeah, it was one of my favorite coaching moments (laughs) in the recent months. And this is a mom who is just very gentle, sometimes timid, and gets a lot of criticism from extended family. You just need to be tougher on these kids, but she's not that type of a person. And one day her mother-in-law asked her two twin boys, we're very intense, sensitive kiddos, why do you scream at your mom like that? And they said, because then she gives us what we want. Uh, (laughs) And we've heard this a lot, right, from parents, one or the other, who's like, yeah, the kids go to that parent when they want to pull a chain and and manipulate and get their way. Right. And that just sort of flipped a switch in this mom's heart. And she thought, I am not doing well by them in this way, by being so gentle and Mm -hmm. giving in to them. And she had an opportunity to practice a different response when she was driving in the car and the boys were listening to their favorite story on tape or whatever. And the dad called and took over the Bluetooth was his phone call. And the dad and mom are chatting and pretty soon the boys are starting to yell and demand their book back and hang up on him. We want our book. And they're getting really disrespectful. And I'm imagining the dad is not taking very kindly 
relate to this? <clears throat> well, actually, the dad was kind of in the same frame of mind, and he goes, oh, okay, sorry, honey, I'll get off oh. quick so you can get the boy's book back for them. And the mom thought, oh, no, not so quick. Oh. <laughs> and she remembered what her boys had said, and it was just like this kind of holy confidence that mm. grew in her. And the husband got off the phone, but she looked in the rearview mirror with a strong expression, and she said, boys, that was not respectful how you were interrupting and demanding. And so before the book comes back on, you need to wait peacefully for a little while and then ask me respectfully to put the book on tape back on. And I'll never forget her little smile on our video chat in the coaching session. She goes, and they did it. <laughs> wow. So that's actually what I was expecting you would say. And this is very common when parents decide for the first time to take that sort of confident stance that the kids dug their heels in and went even more ballistic to get their way. And that does happen sometimes. Yeah. But I think they under she had been doing such a good job of the, the you know, your love no matter what and your loved enjoyed messages that when she was confident and she was still kind but firm, she wasn't like, that was not okay, boys, yeah. and you're not getting your thing back until because that probably would have facilitated yeah. that. It was very calm and that was not respectful. And there'll be no book again until you wait patiently and then ask respectfully. Wow. It was kind, it was calm, and it was confident. I think the dynamics of this are so compelling because I know that that as one, myself, who kind of can just assert my authority to get what I want because I'm big and I'm dominant and I have a very, you know, strong sort of a countenance that, you know, part of me is thinking, well, of course, she just got tough and they complied. But this is not one who the mm -mm. kids understood as tough and were afraid of and right. would comply. There had to be something else going on here that motivated those kids to understand the importance of what mom was saying and abide by this instruction about being respectful. Right. We just had a fun conversation about her and I said, you know, you kind of stumbled on really the exact way that I talk about responding to whining and demanding in the appendix of our book. And we talked about that for a bit, but then helped to sort of distill out what are those key skills that I want my boys to be practicing so they can access those yeah. skills? And we really isolated that peaceful waiting and respectful yeah. asking. And I gave her some strategies about that. And she said, this has just been changing a lot in mm -hmm. our home. Our boys now know how to go over and set the timer. And if they come and they whine and they demand, I say, well, you can go set the timer for a couple minutes and practice peaceful waiting. And when the timer rings, then you can come back and you can have a chance mm -hmm. to practice respectful asking. Wow. I'm going back to the situation in the car. And a part of what I'm seeing and understanding and think important to say is that mom didn't apply all of the framework all at once in that situation, which mm -hmm. I think sometimes parents hear is the thing they're supposed to do. She'd laid a foundation or she'd laid a, an ethos, if you will, of grace, unconditional love, mm -hmm. foundation, confidence, confidence in the Lord that I'm going to do some new things. And when the opportunity came for her to stand strongly to correct, to invite a coaching sort of a choice, right. she went right to that. Yep. And it was kind so it was still bathed in that grace, yep. but but it was firm. Still, I wish I could get in the, in the head of these twins <laughs> and just understand, why did you so quickly comply to that? What was that about? And I'm only imagining that it's about, there's something different about mom. And oh, yeah. I respect her. Mm -hmm. This isn't about I'm going to do it because I'm afraid of her. Right. This is about, I, I respect this person who's inviting me this new way. Yep. And it's really about the confidence to say, you can make it right by practicing the very thing mm. that will 
will help you to do better next time. Yeah. So it really combines coach and correct. You are called and capable of making wiser responses when you're frustrated about yeah. not having your book. And you're responsible to practice the very thing that will show you care about being more yeah. respectful next time. And all of that, I'm going to call it a script for lack of a better term, all of those things that you just said, don't just come to us because we looked at the magnet and it came to us. They come to us because in our foundation, we take thoughts captive. We embrace new ways to think. We invite God to fuel us with his purposes for our parenting. We maybe even talk about our ideas with others as we sort of try them on. And then we do the work to get connected and to make sure our kids know your behavior and my connection with you aren't related to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then you didn't say anything about this, but I'm guessing maybe along the way there's some coaching where mom is saying, I'm going to be a different person and there's some yep. there's some new values that I'm going to be more thoughtful about. Absolutely. And she's done a great job of helping the boys understand God's unconditional mm. love for them when they mess up. There's yeah. really fun stories. of She's working that piece yeah. really strongly too and she's passionate about that. And then obviously, then the corrections, it's true authority. Mm -hmm. It's not scary authority. It's respectable authority. Yep. And I love that. And honestly, folks, that's why we teach this stuff, because there's so many different ways that parents can learn and embrace these ideas and live them out uniquely under God's guidance, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's not a script. It's not a method. It's not, here's how you should do it. It's, here's some principles to live by, and then let God fuel you uniquely to work with your kids where they're at and where you're at. So I wish we had more time because we love talking about this and, and hearing the fruit of when parents have experiences and become more the parents they want to be. But we're out of time. And so we're going to invite you to consider all of the different resources Connected Families has. And we're going to close it down. Lynn, why don't you end our series with a prayer? I'd love to. Father, I just pray for each parent listening that they would sense how these principles, these messages are so true in their relationship with you, that you are their rock, their foundation, and you love and enjoy them throughout the day. And you love them when they mess up and you're right there with your grace and mercy. And you are so engaged in coaching them and growing them in the skills and values they need to wisely parent these precious, intense, challenging kiddos that you have blessed them with. You lovingly hold them accountable to make right what they've made wrong with their mm -hmm. kids. And so may each parent that's listening walk in confidence in that, that that's such a good thing, that they are safe and loved and they are capable and responsible in their lives with their kids. And just I just ask you to show up in wonderful, encouraging, helping, compassionate ways for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Have you enjoyed the series on the core principles of the Connected Families Framework? Do you have questions or suggestions for future episode topics? We would love to hear from you. You can leave those suggestions in the comments. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. For more information about Connected Families or to pick up your own Connected Families Framework Magnet, visit ConnectedFamilies.org.